Raven, I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I'm Asmodeus. I use they, them pronouns. And welcome back to another episode of Smoking Out, Out the, the Closet. Closet. And for the third installment of Spooktober. <laughs> for those of you who are new or just joining us, we are a queer podcast. Pun intended. Talks about cannabis. The LGBT community. And everything in between. And beyond. So welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Spooktober. <laughs> all right uh before we get into the topics of stuff we wanted to talk about can we review the valhalla trophies yeah um so this was so my tree is a, apparently was the first one in pennsylvania to create 50 milligram per dose trophies um but the Valhalla ones, which are a white label for Terrasend or like Standard Farm Illera. Yeah. Um, they were the first one to come into like my store. So I got them when they scooped up or when they went on the shelf, I bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, it is a high dosage and that's nice for patients who, you know, need a higher dosage. This sucked. Yeah, the flavor is very strange and kind of off-putting, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, very off-putting. So compared to the Verano trochies that we've had to this one on the show, this one is actually made with gelatin. Um, its ingredients is uh, cannabinoid distillate, allulose water, uh, gelatin, citric acid, blue raspberry flavoring, and does contain blue number one. So if you are allergic to that, don't eat this. It's that dye stuff. Um, one of my coworkers described it as this, and I ate it and knew exactly what he meant by when he told it to me. So it does have a strong weed taste, and that I'm not been out of shape about because the uh rso trochies from verano weed dried off screen they had a very strong weed taste too because mm-hmm. it's made with rso and i didn't mind that i don't mind that either um and we've had <clears throat> uh, you and me have had and you know edibles from new jersey before as well and some of them had some strong weed taste i've had some from michigan <laughs> they don't have a strong weed taste at all I don't know what they're doing out there with theirs, but... It's probably just how they're infusing it, maybe. Um, But the thing is, we're... I don't want people to think that when we say the flavor was bad, or the taste was bad, that we're talking about the weed side of it. You're talking about, like, the actual gummy, however they... Not gummy, like, the the, the The gelatin, the consistency, the gumminess, the chewiness, the flavor of the actual, like... Product itself. Product, yes. Now, my coworker described it as basically somebody making college jello shots without doing the proper recipe. It's bad jello shots. It does taste like bad jello shots. And the worst thing is when I tasted it, I got 
Ooh, blue raspberry. Ugh, kind of tastes like Everclear. Then the weed. Yeah. It was an experience, that's for sure. Also, the second time around, I don't think they did much for me other than just make me extremely tired. Yeah, and they have three lines, like three flavors. So they have blue raspberry, orange, and watermelon. The blue raspberry and the watermelon, they added myrcene to it. Um, but it's like... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The eighth or ninth ingredient. Oh, no, it is... Yeah, the eighth ingredient. Um, which is the last ingredient before it breaks down what food coloring may contain. Um, so... I don't... And then the orange one has limonene added to it. So they're saying, like, oh, it's going to make you more alert. Well... It's kind of hard to say because we don't fully know what all terpenes do and don't get broken down by your stomach acids mm -hmm. and what, you know, passes the liver and kidneys and everything. What we do know is most terpenes don't have an effect when you ingest it. You know, kind of the recent studies show um, kind of just 10 milligrams, THC, 50 milligrams, whatever the dosage is, is very similar per each one, unless you have other cannabinoids playing a factor. Um, that being said, it was high dosage. You were taking half of these guys, yeah. at least. So, I mean, that's 25. I usually do the 30 milligram boost capsules. Mm -hmm. When I do RSO, I'll do anywhere between like 10 to, 10 to 25 milligrams. And you say these were hitting you faster. They were about 30 to 45 minutes of that, which is very fast for me. Yeah. Considering RSO takes about three hours for me. I will say that's how long it took me with those um, mints I got mm -hmm. in Jersey when we went the first time. Yeah. Um, and I was all giggly and everything on the on the ride home. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's this was the flavor is literally the flavor the consistency they're very sticky. Mm -hmm. there's like no wax coating on the outside so they're sticking to the side of the bag yeah, sticking, sticking to your to fingers themselves. they stick to everything mm -hmm. they make your fingers sticky it's it's like the little slap hand things yeah. you get in the in the gumball machines but they're edible um i i give this a 3.5 out of 5 i just gave it a 3 i don't like them nearly as much as the verano ones or any of the other ones i've had the only thing they got going for them is they're 50 milligrams a piece. Yeah. But even at that, I don't know if they taste good enough to like. I would probably put eat those with some other kind of gummy, like get some Harry Brown bears or something. Yeah. Some trolley sour gummy worms. Um, But let me, I think they're. Just to cut that weird Everclear taste in there. No, you're, you're totally right on that. And But here's my thing with this is I think they're $40. Really? Yeah, and I'm, I'm double checking that on my end. This seems really cheap. Yeah, but here's the thing: the the Verona ones full price are thirty. The Anshine ones full price are thirty. Um, yeah, the Valhalla uh, ten bags forty five. Okay, but still fifteen dollars between ten milligram dosage and fifty milligram dosage. Like the 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 lower dosage ones are gonna have to drop in price to stay relevant. Yeah. Because even though these won't taste as good and that might be a driving factor for some people, 
Um, I know uh, a lot of people have been looking for that higher dosage. Though. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. Sorry. But like, say if you don't like, if you're like me and I need ten milligrams, I can cut the these individual dosages into five pieces. No, last you a very long time. Yeah, it will last me. So that that just goes from ten to fifty dosages for forty five dollars. Mm. So that's less than a dollar a dose for me now, compared to. $30 for 10 doses, which is 3 bucks a dose for the Verano or Anshine trophies. Yeah. So, disappointing, but hopefully, maybe they get the recipe a little better. Um, it's a little disappointing because this company, Valhalla Confections, is actually based in California, I believe. Um, it's not like California, Colorado. They, they sell in both states, but I can't remember which ones they started in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a lot of lines that I've heard really good things about them. So whatever Terra Ascend is doing with the label, they're not getting the recipe right. Yeah, they they mistranslated the recipe or something because I don't know what's going on with these. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe they'll get better the longer they're in the market. I don't know. I hope so. It might just be the distillate too, like not even the weed part of it, just the 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 solution they're using for the distillate. Yeah. Might be overpowering it. It might be contributing to that Everclear taste yeah. too. Because if it's an alcohol-based distillate, that's going to play a factor in there. Big time. Um, is there a topic you wanted to bring up? Yeah. So there was this article that I was looking at, and it's from Westworld. Westward, excuse me. And uh, the title is "Ghostly Ganja: Twelve Weed Strains for Halloween Lovers." <laughs> Since it's Spooktober, I just thought of. It's from Westworld. Oh, great. It's in a robotic sci-fi western. <laughs> Westward. Yeah, for West. That'd be interesting. Right? Reminds me of, um, what was that campaign we were playing? There was, a, there was an RPG, a TTRPG that was... Tales from the Loop? Well, no, it was, a, it was Wild West, wasn't it? Oh, Wild West theme. I can't remember. What oh, that was, was um. What were we playing? That was the Weird West tabletop RPG. Yeah, it's an alternate timeline. That's what that made me think of. All right. Anyway, spooky weed. <laughs> um, what the, the article uh, begins. Whether you're token up before eating your children's candy, getting high to inspire some jack o' lantern creativity, or enhancing the visual aspects of your Halloween stoner flicks, you'll find that cannabis can come in handy during Halloween season. And uh, with pumpkin beers and witches brew, there are plenty of scary strains to heighten the spirit. Uh, and they've listed 12 Halloween-friendly strains, which they've reviewed. And the first is Frankenberry. Uh, not only does Frankenberry ramp up the ghoulish effects of nacho... Of, bleh, I can't speak, I'm so sorry. <laughs> not only does Frankenberry ramp up the ghoulish effects a notch, as you puff a joint and watch Michael Myers get back, get back up for the 10th time, but it also takes you back to mornings before school, eating a bowl of the strawberry marshmallow cereal. And so does the strain's cakey berry flavor. Ooh, yummy. Frankenberry's a little harder to find than it used to be, but typically rises from the dead in Denver more than once a year. Uh, Devil Driver, the daytime variety of the parent of Dante's Inferno, one of 23's hottest strains. Uh, this fall could be all about Devil Driver, though an increasing amount of growers and extractors have taken interest. Uh, the hybrid strain of Sunday Driver and melonade has a cherry melon forward flavor, which is creamy and sour. Ooh. Yeah, and the Devil Driver is sold in Pennsylvania, at least Southwest PA, where we live right now. 
Um, I've been in the Pittsburgh area. I've seen it at multiple different dispensaries. And saying also, you got to be uh, be careful with this one because it can give you the quote sativa scaries. So that well, racy, so anxious feeling. It has in some batches in some grower processors does come with a lot of pinene. Yikes. Uh, the next one's Witch's Weed, a hybrid of Chem Dog D, Cinderella of a 99, OG Kush, in San Fernando Valley. You know, that's what I just recently learned. That's what SFV stands for. I didn't know that was San Fernando's Valley. <laughs> that makes sense. The, the way we shorten and abbreviate freaking names in PA just annoys me. Like, all of Moxie's product. Like, what the heck is PGRG? We think it's peach rings, but where the frick is that G coming from? <laughs> Uh, which is weed currently sounds like it's brewed up in a cauldron. It's funky high and almost supernatural. Uh, some people don't like the unpredictable high, but most tokers don't have a don't have a tolerance level high enough to notice the differences. Um, compare its effects to weed salad, mixing a handful of different strains together for one sweet mindfuck. Uh, verbatim, that's what the article said. Uh, but what witches weed lacks in consistency, it makes for makes up for in flavor. Never heard of this one. Rotten Rosé, a hybrid of GMO and Rosé, which is part of the Skittles family tree. Oh, that would be a nice one because we could technically make that here in PA because uh, AYR sells Rosé all day. All day mm-hmm. And like 12 other companies have, or most everybody has a GMO. I think AYR does too, don't they? They have an LGMO. Mm. Um... But yeah, a lot of people do GMOs or just GMO crosses. Farmer X has a GMO. Um, I think G Leaf had a GMO recently. I know Insa does. Insa does, yeah. Um, Ferrano does. Apparently, this makes your uh, eyes very puffy. Oh, like like the trophies did when I first tried it. Yeah, I can feel it in my ass. <laughs> They say, but books are read, recipes are followed, emails are answered, uh, with all the with the relief of aching joints. Keeps the mind occupied and a glass of water nearby. <laughs> As rotten rosé is equally fun and therapeutic. Smoke it alone late at night, uh, through your, uh, though, and your mind might wander to scary places. Yeah. So if you're by yourself, it might freak you out a little bit. Oh god, you know what I just realized? Huh? So we're recording in the basement. Yeah. this episode to see what our new mics sound like and everything and we're on the old chair the, the old couch the we old used to sofa, rec- yeah. yeah we used to record on so you might hear the old squeaks again old squeaky uh ghost og is the next one didn't go into the parent line of this um but it says it delivers a body high with strong accompanying focus euphoric effects on the mind peaks about 20 to 30 minutes later uh, just about time for the body high turns into an epic case of the munchies. Whether you last, <clears throat> excuse me, whether you last say five minutes ago or five hours ago, uh, medical benefits include treating anxiety, pain, inflammation, headaches, glaucoma, eating disorders, and exhaustion. Hmm. Um, Marshmallow OG is a mix of Chemdog D, Jet Fuel Gelato, and Triangle Kush. Notes of honey and mellow hints of vanilla. Ooh. Wait, what was this strain? The strain is called Marshmallow OG. We can literally make all of that. We have all those strains here in PA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toxic Avenger. I've seen that here. Like, I think one of the first two years we were in the program. Yeah, I think I've seen it too. 
Apparently it's bright and smells like fruity gasoline. Interesting. Fatso. Everybody loves Casper, but I'm more particular to his uncle Fatso and the strain bearing the same name. Purely for after hours, Fatso is one of the most effective sedatives I've had in a long time. Uh, stupid enough to test the hype, I tried for the first time before lunch. After a very brief period of euphoric curiosity, I was asleep inside of three hours. I was on the heels of full night's sleep and post-lunch espresso. Don't make the mistake of smoking fatso before your PJs are on and weigh you down until your limbs are moosh. Oh my gosh. That sounds like a really nice strain. That does, but now I'm just realizing that the name of the burger chain in Danny Phantom, Fatso Burger, was named was a reference to Casper. Oh my god, yeah, it was. <laughs> and I never put two and two together. <laughs> uh, OG Lime Killer. It's generally a sativa strain. <clears throat> Makes you spacey and tired in less than a half an hour if they smoke more of a bowl of it, they said. Um, yeah, just kind of like a spacey one. Oh, Ghost Train Haze. I've seen that one. It's a Ghost OG and Neville's Wreck. Ecto Cooler. Nice. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Named after the Ghostbusters themed high sea drink in mm -hmm. the 90s. Mm, Ecto Cooler's energetic effects can relax the body's daily aches and pains, providing euphoria without uh, making the mind think too much. What is this? Tutank Hammond? Okay. King Tut for short. Uh, brings oh. ener energy and gusto while relaxing the stomach. Uh, is it Tutankhamun? Tutankhamun? I have no idea. I can't I'm remember. I'm so sorry. I murdered that. I mean, to be fair, ancient Egyptians is not usually written phonetically. No. This is also another sleepy strain. They didn't mention Jack Horror. I thought Jack Horror would have been on there. because It's also another one of those strains that's like, if you smoke too much of it, you're going to freak yourself out. Yeah. And like, it makes horror movies really fucking intense <laughs> and scary. And it's a Jack Herrera cross with another really strong sativa and i can't remember what the other the other parent is but it's jack career and something else it turns it into jack horror i'm also gonna put um a double bear cart that came out that's in my store right now that i want to buy it is called monster mash oh i saw that one not a whole lot i tried finding its uh, like lineages there's not a whole lot on it but... i think it's because terrapin terrapin renames a lot of their stuff sometimes they do yeah just because of the way pa is Mm -hmm. which is dumb but they also breed genetics that are like pa only too yeah um let me get back to my show notes uh i'm gonna read we have a bit of time i'm gonna read some lgbt history because it is still lgbtqia plus history month mm. insert applause claps here I don't have that editing power or time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. So it starts with like uh, the Wikipedia article that I'm using starts with like East Asia and Pacific ones. Um, so in ch I'm just going to pick like different chunks. Um, so male homosexuality had been acknowledged in China since ancient times. It was mentioned uh, in many famous works of, Confu of Chinese literature, Confucianism. 
being a primarily social and political philosophy, focus little on sexuality, whether homosexuality or heterosexuality. In contrast, the role of the women was given little positive emphasis in Chinese history, with records of lesbianism being extremely rare. Um, oh, this one I knew because my my uh, Japanese classes in college. So in the Meiji, the pre Meiji era of Japan, there was records of men who would have sex with men, um, and became very prominent during the Edo period. Uh, and there was even, um. historical practices um, in Japan as uh, wakashudo or the way of the wakushu and nanshoku or male colors. Um, but it was very um, romanticized and a lot of books and everything were kind of recorded at the time. And that's where kind of like where some of the like yaoi's history kind of starts in oh. Japan. Um and one of them was The Tale of Genji, uh, written by he Ian Era, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, and there was the stories of like um, someone falling in love with a girl who was a cross dress described as a cross dressing male, but we don't know if like they are cross dressing or uh, like trans, uh, just because there's you know so many years ago. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the history gets a little muddled. Um, let's see. We'll do Middle East, North Africa. Uh, in ancient Egypt, uh, there were, I'm no way going to be able to pronounce it, the duo Kunumtep. And you know what? There were two manicurists in the palace the palace of King Nizri uh, during the fifth dynasty of Egypt's pharaohs or 2400 BCE uh, are speculated to be have been a gay couple based on representative of them embracing nose to nose in their shared tomb. Um, which I guess apparently that's how lovers are buried. I'm not hmm. sure. Don't quote me on that. I'm just reading it. I did not. I was not an ancient Egypt nerd outside of like the mummy movies or a kid tied on. PBS. That's fair. Um, or something that goes into uh, some medieval. There's one talking about different parts of like rules based on religious things. Uh, in the Ottoman Empire of Turkey. Um, in a world before sexual preferences defined identity, men who desired other men were not thought of as members of biological determined distinctive subcultures within a constant nature because men and women were not thought of opposites. Same-sex relations were not considered to go against nature. In fact, um, this is in parentheses of the article, um, women were thought of as biologically imperfect men. That's an interesting way to think about everything. Like, we're all just human. Yeah. That's probably not how it's meant and what they're referring to, but that's kind of how I'm reading it. Mm. Uh, let's do Europe. Uh, ancient Celts. According to Aristotle, most 
Although most belligerent nations were strongly influenced by their women, the Celts were unusual among them because their men openly preferred male lovers. Quoted in his Politi Politics II writing from 1269 BCE. Um, that's interesting. Uh, ancient Greeks. There's a lot of ancient Greek stuff that was very overly gay, like male couples on their vases and pottery yeah. being made. Um, one of the most famous things, I think it's Spartans. Were, it was very common for the Spartans to have um, relationships with each other. Uh, Same-sex relations did not replace marriage between man and woman, but occurred before and beside it. Um, usually was with an age gap, though, it seems. Same-sex relationships were a social institution variously carried over from time and from city to one city to another. The formal practice, an erotic yet often restrained relationship between a free male. Oh, free males. Okay. Um, talking about Plato. Oh, here we go, Sappho. <laughs> uh, I was hoping he would actually bring up Sappho. Sappho, born on the island of Lesbos, where we get the term lesbians from, was included by many later Greeks in the canonical list of the nine lyric poets. The ad adjectives deriving from her name and birthplace, Sappho, and lesbian came to be applied for female homosexuality in the beginning of the 19th century. Uh, let's see. Ancient Rome. Okay, here, here's one I actually wanted to bring up with the Roman Empire. Uh, the Roman Emperor El Elgabalus is described as trans by some modern writers. El they were said to be delighted to be called mistress, the wife, and the queen of Heracles. Supposedly, great wealth was offered to any surgeon who was able to give them female genitalia. Hmm. So, whenever someone goes, oh, hey, transgender, the, tra being transgender, it's new. I'm like, no, go back to fucking ancient Rome. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, during the Middle Ages... Same-sex scholarly empires of the mind were commonly were common in medieval Middle Eastern cultures, as seen in their poetry on same-sex love. According to John Boswell, author of Christianity, Social Tolerance, and Homosexuality, they were there were same-sex Christian monastic communities and other religious orders in which homosexuality thrived. Well, that's neat. There was gay monks. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We want to do the Renaissance. Not really. I'm just going through Europe. Get me out of Europe. But like, those are just some things I wanted to bring up because, like, with um, it it's weird history because like there's a lot of it that's been destroyed over the years thanks to like different groups and organizations and mm -hmm. religions so a lot of like things have been buried but we are finding more and more history we are finding a lot of things and 
I just don't want us to forget our history and, you know, some of the things even just like 10, 15 years ago, that is still queer history. Yes. Even five years ago, you know, and every battle that we make and win and rights we gain and the ability to be ourselves is history that we are making. And they should teach queer history in class. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything you wanted to add to the history side? Anything you knew that you wanted to bring up? I don't think so. Okay. Um, we are getting to that point where we are about to hit our break. So we're going to hit, we're going to take a break and then we'll be back after a quick message. and pink and purely wood pulp derived blazy susan pink rolling papers and cones will add a pop of color to your next smoke sesh their classic pink papers are naturally dyed vegan gmo free and food safe they contain no amounts of heavy metals or pesticides unlike other paper producers care about what goes in your lungs with blazy susan papers and cones use promo code B-G-S-O-T-C-20 at checkout to get 20% off with your friends at Smoking Out the Closet. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $50 in the United States. And we are back, and also, I we tried this trial run before, but if anyone hears our heat fan going on, we do apologize. So, you got to think about costumes. Yeah, since it's Halloween season. Uh, there's an article from Refinery29 that is 12 queer couple Halloween costumes for the Sapphics, gays, and the theys. I love how the first one is uh, Wednesday Adams and Enid Sinclair <laughs> as a as a as a lesbian couple costume or WLW costume a sapphic costume yes <laughs> Bert and Ernie there's been so much speculation that they are queer for the longest time now yeah no it, it's definitely been there for a hot minute I think since at least the eighties yeah. Oh, of course, next is Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good one to have. I feel like that's going to be like the big power couple one for this year, mm -hmm. to be honest. Yes. They're, like, they're full on married and full on adorable in the animated series. So cute. Bob Ross and a happy little tree. That's adorable. <laughs> yes. Just be a happy little tree. That's, that's all it is. Yeah, just dress up like a happy little tree. I'd do that, like the walking Christmas tree costumes. Yeah, no, yeah. that would totally be you. Oh, frog and toad. Is this, this something innately bisexual about frogs? Don't ask us to explain it. Just browse any of the thousands of bisexual frog memes on the internet for more clarification. No, no, no. See, that's that's where I feel like they did disjustice on this. The creator of Mr. Frog and Mr. Toad actually was gay. 
but he could not live that life. He was either gay or bi, but it could not be out. He actually had a, uh, he was in love with another man, but could not express it at the time. And it wasn't until his children found his journals that they found out. Aww. So the story of Mr. Frog and Mr. Toad is actually based on his longing to have a relationship and a life with that other man. Aww. And I did not talk about that, and I'm very mad. What straight person made this article? <laughs> Barbie and Barbie. Yeah, from the Barbie ver, the new Barbie movie. Yeah, I can see that one being big Halloween costumes this year. Let me guess. There was a Ken and Ken as well. That's the next one. <laughs> Ken and Ken. Do you ever make your Barbies kiss? <clears throat> yes. <laughs> I don't have any Ken dolls. Thing one and thing two. See, I don't know about that one. I don't know if they're queer. I don't think so. I, th- I always we assume... can't think of a less gendered couple's costume. I mean, yeah, I guess they're not it... very gendered at all. But... True, but I always thought they were siblings. Yeah, that's how I or read. Like, I don't know. I thought they were like clones, like little. Yeah, they could be clones. Guys. Yeah. Go go dancer to disco ball. There we go. That's a weird one. That is weird. You could go as your astrological signs. Boo. Boo. I feel like every college sorority girl is going to do that. Oh, you could be uh, GBBO's Paul and Prune. Great British Bake Off. Yeah. For those of you who don't watch it. I love Great British Bake Off. I did, see, I don't get how that one's queer unless it's supposed either. to be like it's like queer friends going together. And that's the end of the list. And that's it. That's, it? that's so, it? Okay, so you're not doing the whole trans community thing of, like, Gomez and Morticia Adams? Like, missing that? Yeah. Um, let's see. What other good queer costumes are there? Oh, you could be fucking Marceline and... Uh, Princess Bubblegum? Princess Bubblegum. Yeah, you could do that. Um... You Crowley and Aziraphale. That's a huge one. I knew you were going to pull that one. Freaking Crowley and Aziraphale. I knew you were going to pull that one. Okay, okay, but what about... Oh my gosh, you could do... Now, there are a straight couple, but Kermit and Miss Piggy. But Miss Piggy is a drag queen. Yes. I could totally see a couple could, doing yes, that. absolutely. Buzz and Woody from Toy Story. Yeah. um no there's there's so many costumes you can do like you do bath and space bath (laughs) (laughs) rick and morty yeah Yeah. i guess you could um i'm trying to think what other like you could do um the the two main kids in a uh, Heartstopper. I know I did we're talking about that. That's the British queer show based on the book that Kira Willis oh, okay. really likes. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think what other ones you could do because there's so many good ones. Um, Aloy and her love interest from Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. You could do. Well, no, it's for whatever the Horizon Zero game, the newest one with the newest DLC. Yeah. Um, Fallout. There's a lot of queer couples in the Fallout series. Um, 
Dead, uh, not Dead Space, uh, Mass Effect. Uh, Ruby and Sapphire. All Steven Universe characters. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, what else? Freaking um, Craig of the Creek. JP's older sister is, is, uh, is queer. Okay, spoiler alert for anybody who's not caught up with Supernatural, and I'm not either, but this was heavily implied. Castiel and fucking Dean. Dean. But yeah. I'm not, I don't like how they brought it about. It was just like at the end, real fast. Mm -hmm. And then they're just like, ha. Ah. Well, like Korra and Asami from Legend of Korra, that was the same way. Yeah. Um, or heck, even. Um, you could do. Um, I can't remember her name, but it's um, Kyoshi. Kyoshi had a, uh, a sapphic relationship in the books. Goddamn, what the hell is his name? Hold on. <laughs> the guy from Doctor Who can't remember what the hell his name is right now. Uh, there's so many costumes you can do. And I just the go-go dancer, Bob Ross, and... Those seem like star signs. I feel like I feel like a straight person wrote those articles. I feel like they did too. Like like someone who self-identifies as an ally. Like I'm an ally. I'm like, have you been given that title? No. How are you an ally? Shoot, I can't remember what the hell his name is. He's from Doctor Who, and literally anybody with a pulse, when he finds you attractive. And I can't mm -hmm. remember what the fuck his name is. He's also in Torchwood. Um. Damn it, what the heck is his name? Big Mouth had some uh, queer characters. Jack Harkness, here we go. Yep, Jack <laughs> Harkness. The, 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 if you have a pulse, he finds you attractive. You can just be Jack Harkness. If you want to be, you can be Jack Harkness and David Tennis Doctor, because they've kissed before. Oh. Canonically. Yeah. My, my fandom doesn't need Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what other ones are there. There's like so many, but it's so hard to bring them all in my mind right now. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. We have the internet. I'm just gonna do. Technically, if you think about it, any of the doctors, because the doctor has been a masculine presenting uh, figure and also female presenting throughout regenerations and things like that. Yeah. Oh. Um. Captain Holt and Kevin from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, Mickey and Ian from Shameless. Naomi and Amita from Sense8, which I totally forgot. That was the first um, trans woman I saw on TV. Hmm. Uh, and then Laverne Cox shortly after. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I'm trying to think cartoons, because that's more my forte. Shoot, there's a lesbian couple from um, Orange is the New Black. I mean half the cast. Yeah, well, you could be anybody <laughs> from Orange is the New Black, pretty much. Um, I'm trying to think. Like the oh, um, there is a podcast I uh, I follow that is a bunch of queer folks set in space. Uh, what is it called? What is it called? Um. I'm going to turn my volume down so I can actually boot it up here. 
because they were recently nominated for a streaming award. Not a streaming, um, something similar to it. It was like a podcast, uh, like award show recently that happened. Okay. And I'm trying to find it. Uh, I'm not caught up on Star Trek Discovery, but uh, Paul Stamets and Dr. Hugh Clubber, Culber are uh, the first openly gay characters and the first gay couple portrayed in uh, the central cast of Star Trek. Nice. They don't start with some big reveal. They introduce each character in his professional role, doing his professional stuff, and there's this great intimate moment of them standing next to each other, brushing their teeth, just like any couple. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cute. I love that. Star Trek's always been super progressive. Then you would like this one. It's Starship Q-Star, where it is literally a bunch of different characters that last. Uh, so it's two captains um, who were a couple and broke up before they were both assigned to the ship. Uh, and they end up being them and their crew end up being the last survivors of Earth. Oh wow! And it's like this big audio drama story thing, and it's really cool. And uh, go 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 listen to the podcast if you haven't yet. Shout out to them. But uh, all the characters are queer, and you can find any facet of yourself in it, and you can be any of the characters. And they do have official cartoon style art for each of the characters. Heck yeah. Um. Oh, I forgot. There's another. There's another um queer couple in Doctor Who. It's in a recent um episode I watched. Uh, Brittany and Santana from Glee. I never watched Glee. Uh, Lily and Ola from Sex Education. Haven't watched that one either. Um. Oh my gosh, literally, like, if you're in a polycule, the Scooby-Doo gang. There you go. <laughs> Fan theory has said that they're polyamorous for a very long time. Well, in the in the most recent, or no, not, I wouldn't say the most recent, but um, Mystery Incorporated, that version of the Scooby-Doo gang, mm-hmm. um, there's a line that Fred says where um, he introduces himself and goes, hey, Hi, my name's Frederick. Unless we're dating. Then it's Fred or Freddy. Mm-hmm. What does everybody in the Scooby gang call Freddy? Freddy. Freddy or Fred. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, Velma in the newest movie is canonically sapphic Aww. in some facet because she ends up having a crush on the villain of the the show or the movie. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot out there. There's a lot more couple costumes that you could have done. And go go dancer and a disco ball and star signs. Like, don't get me wrong, the Bob Ross one is cute. That is cute. I don't see how it's queer though. Yeah, and not even giving Mister Toad and Mister Frog the actual proper context. Yeah. For shame. Any other costumes or anything you wanted to bring up with that? No, I don't think so. I just... You should have got a queer person to write your article. Yeah. That's what I gotta say. 
Well, I have one of an article here from Time Standard, um, which is kind of some bummer news uh, here. The headline is titled Race to the Bottom, Humboldt County Cannabis Dispensary Struggle with Industry in Turmoil. Uh, written by Sage Alexander. Uh, also, just accidentally bumped the mic. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm not used to having a mic here. No, me either. Um, cannabis dispensaries say they are struggling. The industry as a whole has grappled with the price of cannabis plummeting over the past two years and big changes following recreational legalization. Crystal Ortiz, uh, owner of Herb and Market Humboldt in Arcata, Arcata, A-R-C-A-T-A, in California, um, opened her business in 2020 when people were spending more than ever at dispensaries with COVID-19 stimulus money, which don't blame them. That's how I got my first card. But it wasn't long before a crash began with the industry, with the industry, with began that the industry is still coping with. I am so sorry. I can't talk. Um, <coughs> sorry. What's happening is, uh, in this race to the bottom is that every single person is suffering and selling at a loss all the way to the, to the end consumer and the end consumer then getting the best prices that have ever existed in the cannabis world or, uh, said Ortiz. And that's true because a lot of like, well, we can even bring it up here in Pennsylvania, but from what I've heard, uh, thanks to Cool Nerd Weed Show with California, is the, the way the laws and everything are constantly shifting and that they're putting implementing stuff and they're lagging behind the social equity side of it. California is very hurting because it's like, okay, you have to pay for this and you have to pay for this. And all of a sudden, we're going to make you pay for this. And then we're going to pass this law, but then we you're going to have to be on standby before anything happens. That's what New York's cannabis industry is hurting with right now mm. is they're trying to do the social equity equity first. But because of the order, some people um, like some anti-cannabis groups got into the ears of the veterans who are waiting for their license. And then they sue the state of New York. I think we talked about it on an earlier episode. I think so. But like now the whole social equity equity side of cannabis is backed up. So New York is entirely backed up on their legalization stuff. And that's why New York isn't kind of, is kind of lagging a little bit. Hmm. It, um, it's recreational up there, but there's nowhere to buy it. There's no, there's like, like one or two shops. Yeah. Um, And so it's, it's kind of slowly rolling, but it's, a lot of the laws and everything, it's the politics and the bureaucracy that's getting in the way. And California is getting bogged down with it because they made one law and then you had to pay into it. Then they made a new law and you had to pay into it. And then they made another law and then people had to shut down because they couldn't pay into it. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's a lot. And it's, it's sad to say it's hurting the small businesses and helping the MSOs, I feel like, a lot more. Yeah, because the MSOs have the money to keep paying for the next new bill or the mm -hmm. next new certification they need or the next new license or whatever. And also, that's why I feel like the states need to take their time and fix this stuff before it becomes mm -hmm. an issue and try to straighten out and iron out all the kinks in. It's going to make people upset, yes, because it's going to take, take longer, but then you're not going to have these problems like California has. This is the exact reason why you should wait and have make sure everything is going to be in place and it's going to be a smooth mm -hmm. transition and everything for everyone so you don't end up like California and have all these people that are going bankrupt because they can't afford 
And I feel whatever like new law Maryland, you put in. Maryland's done that very well. I feel like Maryland, um, Mich- Michigan. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've done that very well. Hey, o- Oklahoma even. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are good examples. Um, it's just there's a lot that needs to be done, and I'm I'm speculating here. I I'm wondering if that's why a lot of things get stopped in PA is because there's not enough kind of forethought and just kind of let's rush it kind of thing, and they don't want to do that. Now that's my hope. I know a lot of it is there's a lot of anti-cannabis people still in office on both sides of the party. Uh, both parties mm-hmm. um but i hope that some of it is like no let's actually try to get this like sorted in a way that's going to be beneficial to everybody not just the msos yeah um let's see the article continues with legacy dispensary closes the closure of one legacy cannabis dispensary earlier this year illustrates the new world of retail cannibal cannabis in Humboldt County after recreational legalization. The Humboldt Patient Resource Center, a dispensary founded in 1999, closed in ju- June. It was one of California's longest-running dispensaries. A message at the time cited the death of owner Connor Hawkins and issues with transferring the business license as reasons it had to shut down. And that makes sense because... These licenses have to be, I, I can't imagine them being just simple thing you can inherit. Like, if you had a mom and pop shop, like a grocery store that your family owns, right? And your, 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 your parents retire or you inherit it for one reason or another, that license can go to you very easily. From my understanding, I could be wrong. I don't know how businesses work, mm. but the logistics seem a lot easier than it would be with cannabis. Absolutely. Um, because just the fees, I think you would have to pay for cannabis would be ridiculous. Well, yeah, the the I don't know exact figures, but to apply for a cannabis dispensary license is ridiculously expensive. It's a few it's, hundred thousand dollars in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's it's expensive. And that's why there was that bill to like allow um, grower only companies to start their own dispensaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and while that's nice, I kind of wish it was state only grower processors. Um, it's kind of vague in the uh, ready. We talked about it on an earlier episode as well. But um, yeah, it's kind of vague, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ryan Burns at Lost Lost Coast Outpost reported that the dispensary made the top 500 sales in use taxes. The made it made the top 500 sale in use tax delinquencies in California's list. The business owed nine hundred ninety one thousand five hundred five hundred sixteen dollars and fifty cents in state taxes in the most recent financial quarter according to the California Department of Tax and Fee Administration. Agreed. Uh, Royal said that sales tax had not been paid since 2018. 
quote, I was trying to keep them at bay to keep the doors open for as long as I could. Rowell said mismanagement by Miriam, Marilyn Jerkovich pushed the dispensary over the edge, and with a lack of a financial record keeping and failure to pay bills, Rowell said Jerkovich also spearheaded opening a new expensive location in Eureka. That's what I feel like what happened to Good Blend. Good Blend was very mismanaged in the state, mm-hmm. and they didn't pay their bills. They literally were so behind on rent for their facilities that they just had to close and get out of the state because it was too much of a loss. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they weren't willing to pay the freaking rent. And I'm like, okay, so either you you cut a corner somewhere, but paying your people and paying rent shouldn't be the corners you cut. Yeah. And apparently... Because we have we've had some people interview uh, from Good Blend at my store recently, and I've heard from people online that they gave them next to no notice. They said they were closing their doors on this date um, when they made the announcement publicly that they were closing their doors. That's how they some of them found out. And then some locations, like the one here in Pittsburgh, closed early. And they didn't tell them until the day of when they went to the store and like, hey, you're you're out of work. Goodbye. You'll get your check in the mail. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah, and this is what I don't like corporations. Like, every fucking major corporation does this fucking shit, and we want this with weed? No. No, 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 no. Um, let's see. Uh, caps on local dispensaries. Um, many local businesses say legalization enable bigger businesses to swallow up the market locally. Case in point with Pennsylvania as well. Um, spelling, spelling the end for long-lasting companies like Humboldt Patient Resource Center. Dispensaries now have to use licensed distributors and stock all prepackaged products, which that was another thing a lot of companies like died under, is when California pushed that law that's saying like, oh, Everything has to be prepackaged, childproof, this and that, and they had to change a lot of the laws. They also recently had a law that the governor vetoed, which was going to stop animals, fruit, people's faces, cartoons on cannabis products. And that's going to be very hard when, like, small businesses, like people of color, queer folks, or you know, even veterans who use people's faces, including their own, as part of their marketing thing. You know, Um, and now they also have to pay for taxes and uh, testing themselves. And then customers started expecting products from bigger businesses. Dispensaries learned to do things by the book after years of operating an all cast business without much uh, record keeping. And that you know, because that's the hard thing is, is you start a business early in the recreational department and then all the laws change and everything and they expect you okay now here's the law backlog everything like you had it and they're like you told us not to and because like these these people can't get any taxes back or anything Mm -hmm. so like it's hard and then you have caps of like where locations can be because, you know, you have smoke, like, cannabis-free counties and stuff in California. Yeah. Which I expect <clears throat> they're going to do here in PA. 
Probably. Yeah, there's still dry counties in PA. Yeah, so those are probably going to be like cannabis-free counties too. Mm -hmm. Which, crap, I bumped the mic again. Which is going to be stupid. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add to, to that? I feel like sometimes it's intentional that they make these laws obtuse like this because then it pushes out all the small businesses and makes it... Because you, you gotta know that these MSOs have their fucking money in somebody's pocket. Yeah, but I feel like some of them also make it obtuse because of, like, SAMHSA, like S-M-A-H-S-A that we talked about mm -hmm. um, before. They... I feel like they also lobby people to make it so hard and everything that, like, while it, like, say, Ohio, the people ha have pushed, the people of Ohio petitioned, got enough signatures to vote on uh, cannabis into law in Ohio. Mm -hmm. But then you're going to have, like, okay, cool, they pass it, cannabis is legal. Let's make it the hardest method possible, possible so that, like, only ridiculous companies can open up businesses because they have the ridiculous amount of money in these very certain small regions of the state. So people have to drive two, three hours to get weed. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, it's legal. I'm not saying that's what Ohio is going to do. I'm just saying that if, you know, Ohio's probably going to go legal next, which kind of sucks for us, PA. Yeah, how dare us let fucking Ohio go wreck before us. Yeah, there would be only one state around us. That would be medical only. Who's that? West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And we just barely touched West Virginia. Yeah. We're almost completely surrounded. Almost completely hotboxed in. Come on, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You, you guys want us to be Wisconsin? I mean, come on. Uh, is there anything you want to add, Lovey? No, I don't think so. Okay, I think this has been a pretty good episode. Yeah, I think so. Well, once again, my name is Raven. I use she, her pronouns. Hi, Ms. Modius. I use they, them pronouns. This has been another episode of Smoking, Smoking Out, Out the, the Closet. closet. Bye! Bye.